against every law of society and nature. Our children are taught in school to hate their own country and to believe that the men and women who built it were not heroes, but that were villains. The radical view of American history is a web of lies. All perspective is removed. Every virtue is obscured. Every motive is twisted. Every fact is distorted. And every flaw is magnified until the history is purged and the record is disfigured beyond all recognition. As a little bit of Trump's speech from Mount Rushmore that got just destroyed by most of the big media, your cable news channels. Well, we're going we're to hear a montage of that coming up in a moment. Uh, there's been a backlash to the backlash, though, over in the last couple of days. As yes! Conservative media has reacted differently. Opinion piece in the Examiner yesterday. Trump's Rushmore speech was monumentally splendid and goes through the reasons why. And then, oh, his name popped out of my head. Where's Byron the, York? Byron York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wrote in the Examiner um, that much news coverage is biased against President Trump goes without saying. But every now and then there comes an episode of bias so egregious that it deserves attention. The coverage of the president's July 3rd speech at Mount Rushmore is one of those episodes. One lesson from it all. This kind of reporting and commentary will not change, especially in the months preceding an election. It just won't. That is why it's important for people to go to primary sources. I think this is a good strategy for all of us. If you read that Trump said this or that in a speech, go watch a video of the speech. Read the transcript posted on the White House website. Judge for yourself. Perhaps you'll reach an entirely different impression from the journalists at the nation's largest media outlets who were saying this over the weekend about Trump's Rushmore. President Trump will be at uh, Mount Rushmore, where he'll be standing in front of a monument of two slave owners and on land wrestled away from Native Americans. With these founding fathers, with these monuments that we don't want to forget, what do we do with them? Maybe they don't stand in the town square, but should they stand anywhere? Should we demolish them? It's been polluted. It's been desecrated by putting these slave-owning, racist, horrible, horrible white men in 60-foot statues on this wall. When you look at this place, this land, the Black Hills, the history is a dark one. But it's not just the land that had been stolen in a place like Mount Mount Rushmore in the Black Hills. It's the the theft of history, the theft of the narrative. It's worth reminding folks that the man who carved the monument behind me had deep ties to the KKK. The mother of all photo ops, Mount Rushmore. And we know why this president just can't resist going there. I apologize, that's not the montage of beating up Trump's speech. It's a montage of beating up on Mount Rushmore, which makes kind of a similar point. Right. As we mentioned yesterday, when Barack Obama spoke at Mount Rushmore and other presidents, we didn't have this. Well, no. Trying to tie the president to all these horrible things that have to, happened. But. To the contrary, there's the grandeur, the history there, the president addressing the nation. Oh, my God. But as we talked about yesterday, we're never-ending headlines and commentary on your cable news channels about what a terrible, divisive, dark speech it was the president's goal is to divide us uh etc etc and um if you're not of that mindset him pointing out look there are radicals tearing down our cities like we were just talking about last hour in portland uh smashing up windows smashing up things doing all these crazy things and we're not going to allow this to happen well people who agree with that thought hey thanks for pointing that out 
wasn't dark and divisive. It was pointing out what I'm seeing on the news every day. Let's play that clip. The right one this time. Maybe. Do we have that one? Sean is confused. Jack, can you help him with that? No. No, we don't have it. We do not we have don't that. have it at all. No. That is shocking. It does not exist. That's okay. That's fine. <laughs> can we play that clip, I ask? Silence. Uncomfortable looks. It's okay. We don't have it. Moving along. So a U.S. Senator, Tammy Duckworth, who's on the short list to be Biden's uh, vice president, said that the president's speech celebrated, uh, demonstrated that his priorities are all wrong. He spent more time worried about honoring dead Confederates than discussing the number of Americans who died from COVID-19. Uh, he spent all his time talking about dead traitors. He never, ever once mentioned Confederate statues or anything like it. He name-checked, uh, uh, he name-checked George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass, Frank freaking Sinatra. I think he might have worked in uh, Tinker's to Evers to Chance and, and uh, Teddy Roosevelt and, and, and uh, just all American heroes, indisputable American heroes. And a senator just lied in telling you about the speech. Now, if I'm Joe Citizen... And I'm reading, for instance, The Hill. I haven't scanned down to see whether at the very end of the article they point out that, oh, by the way, everything she said was hogwash. If I'm Joe or Jill Citizen and I'm reading this article, I come away thinking, holy crap, Trump spent his Mount Rushmore Fourth of July speech talking about Confederate soldiers? That's disgusting. There are millions of Americans who think that now, even though not a syllable was devoted to that. It's unbelievable. Coming up, five, I like the idea yes. of going to primary source on stuff. That's always a good idea. It is, but man, it's time consuming. It's time consuming, but I don't. I don't know if you've got any choice. Like I, like I don't I, think you do these days. Like I, think I you're said right. yesterday, the first headline I saw about his speech was the New York Times headline, the one about Trump delivers dark, divisive speech, losing in the polls. He doubles down on racism. Blah blah blah. Right. Straw man arguments. I thought, oh boy, oh boy, what Trump do this time? And then when I heard the speech and clips from it, I thought, that's all reasonable, and I agree with it. Yeah, absolutely But it puts an impression in your head. Yeah, it does. It does. Then, you know, honestly, inexplicably, then, he stands stands up for the Confederate flag in his his NASCAR tweet. I don't know why he did that. Uh, I don't know. uh, Sometimes he makes it so hard to defend him. But anyway, uh, just the, the lies, damned lies in the media. Coming up, the five things they don't tell you about slavery. As the, nothing matters these days but the narrative. There are some really uncomfortable truths about America being the most racist nation on earth. It was built to support slavery. The very founding was to, to preserve slavery. and could, All lies. Absolute lies. And uh, those five things, you're going to want to hear this. Don't miss it. Coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. Listen, I understand what you're saying. I totally understand. It is about police brutality. That should never be accepted. Yeah. I am not saying that that's not it, but they are. There's more there. Okay. And when I look at if they have more on their agenda, we need to ask them about what else is on that agenda right. other than police brutality. And that's all I'm doing. Questioning, warning. 
watching. And if that bothers you, now that bothers me. That is Terry Crews, actor, athlete, thinker, bringing it to Don Lemon on CNN. And Lemon's incredible discomfort is so delicious. Terry Crews pointing out the fact that BLM, Black Lives Matter, is an organization founded by Marxists. They have Marxist principles. They want to tear down the nuclear family. They want to tear down the free market. They want to tear down the country. They are anti-religion and the rest of it. And all he's saying to the incredible squirming discomfort of Lemon is that, look, we got to know about this stuff. And Lemon, well, no, it's about police brutality. It's just about to keep the narrative simple. Well, speaking of oversimplified narratives, you have the whole white people bad, America bad. We had slavery thing. Slavery in America is a horrific sin. The more you learn about it, the more disgusting it is. Racism, et cetera, always been a problem in this country. We're working on it like crazy. We need to keep working on it like crazy. I would not deny 1% of the reality of the horrors of slavery in the country. But here are some of the things that are a little inconvenient to talk about when they try to brand America as this racist horror that was founded on on slavery, uh, which is absolutely the opposite of what's true. Uh, and this is a this is a piece written by Rich Lowry. He was a good egg. He points out throughout much of human history, slavery was ubiquitous. It was everywhere, and it was unquestioned. From ancient Egypt how, yeah. to... How awful is that? I know it. You talk about uh, the time machine. You go to any period <clears throat> of history prior to 150 years ago, you might land somewhere and be a slave. Oof. From Egypt to Greece to Rome, um, in the post-Roman world, the Byzantines, the Vikings, Central Asian societies all embraced slavery in various forms. And this was not remarkable. Consider, for instance, Ethiopia. In Stuart Gordon's book, Shackles of Iron, Slavery Beyond the Atlantic, uh, in its first legal code in Ethiopia in the mid-13th century, they recognized slaves as central to the economy and defined the acquisition and holding of slaves as the natural order of things. In the 16th century, Ethiopia was a full slave society, even taking tribute from some provinces in the form of slaves, and this was an entirely black country. Slavery knew no bounds of color or creed during one period from 1500 to 1700. So this is not the ancient world. This is right around when the Enlightenment is, is dawning. There were more white European slaves held captive on the Barbary Coast than slaves sent from West Africa to the Atlantic world. So pre-1700, more white Euros in slavery in Africa than Africa Africans in the New World. Uh, Davis notes there was a genuine continuity of slave trading and slave holding from ancient Greece to Rome to the late Roman Empire to the Byzantine and Arab worlds from the medieval shipment of slaves to the Balkans, the Black Sea, the Caucasian to Muslim and Christian Mediterranean markets and from there to the beginnings of in the 15th century of an African slave trade to Portugal and Spain, then to the Atlantic Islands and the New World. The idea that was that Dick Durbin who said America invented slavery. Right. Can you picture anything more stupid or inaccurate it's difficult to uh an imaginary hemispheric traveler davis writes would have seen black slaves in every colony from canada and new england all the way to south peru and chile not to mention the white folks the east african slave trade lasted into the 20th century more than a million slaves uh uh, were taken from east africa in the 1800s um but they continued to snatch people up um What's the term for it? Uh, I can't remember, but um, it's unpaid labor. They snatch these people up and make them work. They're slaves. 
Uh, inconvenient truth number three. Islam was a great conveyor belt of slavery for hundreds of years. As Islam spread between the 8th and 15th century, it extended and confirmed the commonplace use of slavery and slave training. It was ubiquitous in the Muslim world. Um, blah, blah, blah. He goes into some detail, but we're running a little low on time. Certainly, while slavery was in eclipse in the rest of the Europe, it had new vitality on the Muslim-occupied Iberian Peninsula, with Muslims and Christians both engaged in the practice. Again, this was just before the Enlightenment. Fact number four, the Atlantic slave trade would have been impossible without African cooperation. Slavery wasn't a European imposition on West Africa. It was already a common practice in Africa before the European slavers showed up and said, essentially, listen, these slaves were taken. We'll pay you more than you can get from your fellow Africans for the slaves. And so those who took slaves said, yeah, okay, we'll sell them to you. Slavery was widespread in Atlantic Africa because slaves were the only form of private revenue-producing property recognized in African law. And the Europeans didn't capture millions of slaves on their own. The slavers were confined to the coasts. The Africans did it themselves. An inconvenient truth. You know, I suppose if I was really going to take the 1619 project, I could say, well, yeah, the evil white people came and bribed and perverted. They were colonizers, blah, blah, blah. You could almost form a counterargument to that, but I don't think it's a very good one. And then he goes into a great deal of detail on the African involvement in the slave trade, which is uh, brutal and horrific. And then, you know, one more thing, and it's kind of a minor point, but Brazil took the lion's share of slaves from the so-called Atlantic slave trade, from Africa across the Atlantic. Uh, 95% of the slaves transported across the Atlantic went to places south of the present-day United States. 95%? With Brazil alone taking about 40%. Now, that's a stat. Uh, black slaves are already 10% of Lisbon's population in 1550, and Brazil had about a million slaves by 1790. Even though a relatively small 5% of American slaves went to colonial America, the population in the colonies and the United States grew until there were 4 million slaves by the time of the Civil War. As the, the poor, enslaved, godforsaken black people had kids. And those kids were born into captivity and were captives themselves. Unholy, horrific, a blot on the national conscience, no doubt. But the idea that America was formed to, to continue slavery, when you had the signers of the Constitution, the Declaration, Washington, Jefferson, Madison, all those people, they, you could say, insidiously, they, they intentionally and cleverly designed all the founding documents of the country to kill slavery. They knew it'd take a while, and it might tear the country apart to do it, and it damn near did. Well, it really did for a while. We just sewed it back together again. The idea that our founding fathers were somehow perpetuators of slavery when they stuck their necks way out to try to end it, again, it's just a lie. And it's what our kids are being taught in school, which just makes me nuts. Uh, we can post that for you at armstrongandgetty.com, that, uh, that piece. It's, it's quite good and informative. But again, and, and I hate to even issue these disclaimers because they're probably not necessary. This is not to excuse in any way uh, the slavery that the United States took responsibility for. I personally wasn't involved in it. So, you know, as a country, I understand we feel bad about it. But I just think we need to make sure everybody gets their constitutional rights and has equal opportunities in this fabulous wonderful country that's freed more people than any country on earth go to armstrongandgetty.com if you want to read that joe uh, a little bit ago uh, went to the bathroom put a mask on i did you put on a mask go to the bathroom 
Um, you know, two reasons. Number one, we're supposed to when we're outside the studio, according to the building management and the, the law. And the other thing is that doctor said when people go number two, sometimes, you know, it can waft about. Yeah, but it's a it's a tiny room full of randos. It's the most it's almost certainly the most dangerous place I'll be all day today mm-hmm. is in that room. A small room full of random people coughing and blowing their nose and all kinds of stuff, droplets hanging in the air. Anyway, as, as far as wearing masks, they surveyed people, are you wearing masks all or most of the time? Two-thirds of people <clears throat> said, yes, I am. I'd be among them. Most are all the time when I'm out and about. But yeah. they ask, when you, how many others <clears throat> do you see? It's 44%. So it's another, it's another one of those kind of perception things or like, you know, 80% of us think we're better looking than average or mm-hmm. that sort of thing, really. If, if two-thirds of us are wearing masks, <coughs> oh, drop us in the air. We all got it. Except we got this glass window in front of all of us. Oh, please. <laughs> two-thirds Says of us. Says you, Captain Coronavirus! Vid. Coronavirus! Two, <laughs> two-thirds of us say we're wearing masks all the time, but we only observe 40% of people wearing masks all the time. So somebody is out of whack with their own perception. Could it be that exceptions get our attention? Yes. Probably. That probably makes sense. Right. Right. Oh, if, yeah, yeah. In a crowd, I don't even notice the hundred people, but right. I noticed the two that didn't yep. wear them. Think, what's going on there? Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. First of all, there's no reason to panic by any public official or they're disqualifying themselves from their position. But the data is what I want to talk about. And when we see this focus on more cases, it doesn't really matter how many cases. It only matters who gets the cases. Because we know the infection fatality rate for people under 70 is 0.04% on the latest analysis. That's less than or equal to seasonal flu. The cases themselves should not be, and we're never the focus. Focus. It's only the tragic consequences of the cases. That's Dr. Scott Atlas uh, uh, punching back against the. There's been a spike in cases. The um, narrative. Yeah, the things are off the rails. Oh my God! Look at the explosions everywhere. We opened up too early. This is a disaster. Well, I'm I'm not prepared to go one way or another yet. I think we'll know here in a week or so if because it makes sense to me that deaths are a trailing indicator. But right now, the last three days, nationwide, 244, 271, 337. That's the number of people who died. In the entire country. Yeah. 244, 271, 337. That's a low number. If that, if that catches up to the, 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 you know, the cases everywhere, then okay. But if it doesn't, well, then it's got to do with we're testing more, so we're getting more cases. And young, a bunch of young healthies have realized, I'm not going to die from this. Hell, I probably no. won't even feel bad. I'm going to the bar. I caught it. Whatever. Right. So, we'll I, see. I risked worse than that to try to get laid. So, the youngsters are out doing what youngsters do. Yeah. And what they're designed to do, it's probably worth pointing out, anthropologically speaking, they're young and strong. So they're doing what young, strong people do. Well, the oldsters cower in the cave, hoping not to get the vid, which is a great strategy. I shouldn't have said cower. They're, they're sensibly, you know, <laughs> taking shelter to not get a disease that could kill them. But the young healthies are out there and, and, and leading us, we hope, toward herd immunity. 
We hope. So, um, I tweeted this out yesterday. Hey, while you're looking for that, a quick follow-up on the slavery thing. Okay. Uh, Number one, uh, a lot of people sending in other really interesting facts, um, including I'm reminded that American Indians, even as they were driven out of their areas and onto reservations, brought their black slaves with them. So we could talk about that if you want. And also our friend Kemper pointing out that the Brits did enormously good work in ending slavery and that they deserve a mention in, in, in this, that they were, they were earlier than the United States, but that was because the Brits didn't have a gigantic agricultural, primarily cotton economy in the south of their country. And, uh, and we didn't have a king, so it was the legislature who decided these things, and it just took a long time. A great book, Jack, you've read it, right? Uh, arguing About Slavery. Yeah. Is yeah, this long history of trying to get rid of slavery in this country, and all the brave folks, uh, white, black, and everything in between, who were trying to end slavery for a very long time. Um. So the whole Redskins change in their name story, Trump tweeted about it yesterday. Oh, good. Uh, that'll help calm things down. He said, Indians like Elizabeth Warren are really upset about the Redskins changing the name. (laughs) Okay, that's funny. (laughs) It got an LOL out of me. (laughs) That is funny. You know, it's interesting that he decides to weigh into those things for comic effect, but it made me laugh. Indians like Elizabeth Warren. (laughs) No need to take her on in any way, but... I hadn't understood the Red Tails reference. I thought, what, you just want to keep red in the name so people can remember it or what? No, red it's a, tails, I don't it's know a reference to the Tuskegee Airmen. Oh. The great uh, black pilot somebody's... heroes of the day. That was the nickname, I guess, they're the Red Tails because of the way their plane was painted. And I don't know a lot about it. Is somebody suggesting that as a name? Yeah, the Red okay. Tails and the Warriors, I guess, are the leading names according to somebody who... Uh... Because it has to be Indian-related? It, what? It, does it have to be Indian-related? The well, name? No, those words aren't necessarily Indian-related. The Red Tails is specifically not Indian-related, and Warriors, there's all sorts of Warriors. Right. But I just, I mean, isn't everything on the table? Couldn't you be... Oh, yeah. The Penguins? The Mustangs? or The Bulldogs. Oh, yeah. that's a good The name. Tigers, and there's no team's name that. Right. I still think the Pigskins is the best one to go with. You get to keep your 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 funny fans where they're the hogs, right? And yeah. You get, you still get to refer to the team as the Skins. Is your mascot just going to be a swine? Sure, that Some sounds guy awesome. In a swine suit sounds sweet. Not sure it's tough. You know, it doesn't feel tough. I mean, although Jack, you've grown up in fun, uh, farm country, you don't want to mess with a big swine. Now wrestling a pig It'll is kill you. That's considered a hard thing to do, right? I'm kind of interested that uh, I had a quote. Uh, 2013, Dan Snyder, the owner of the Redskins, said, we will never change the name. Put that in all caps. I'm saying this so you understand what I'm saying. We will never (laughs) change the name. And by 2020, because they sold the naming rights to FedEx, FedEx says, hey, we're not uh, digging the whole name thing. You got to do something about it. I'm surprised as a billionaire that he didn't just say, okay, we'll go back to being... Redskin Stadium or whatever they were. Yeah. County Stadium then. Or find a sponsor that it's okay with it. If he's committed to it. Yeah, you know, it's... Oh, where is that? I have this list It'd be of... a heck of an odd hill to die on, in my opinion, but... Oh, uh, right. But, but they've been sold out. They're they're famously sold out for, <laughs> like, generations to come. People leave their, their Redskins 
uh, seat licenses in their wills. It's it's one of those kind of teams. So it certainly hasn't damaged their attendance any. Yeah, I I found this list of countries where those companies, because uh, it was more than that. It was PepsiCo and what was the other? Well, FedEx seems to be the one that really got their attention because they paid whatever it was, $30 million for the naming rights. And Right, you know. but there are a handful of big sponsors that said, we're pulling out unless you change the name. And somebody uh, sent us the list of countries where they operate and absolutely horrific and loathsome things that go on in those com- countries. Oh, yeah, I'm, um, that doesn't surprise me a bit. I mean, you could argue that, look, you solve the problems you can solve. Mm-hmm. They can't get, yeah, I don't want to get the wrong country, they can't get to Pakistan to stop beating up gay people or executing them. Maybe FedEx would like to, but they probably can't. So they're solving the problems they can. I want to be fair about this. At the same time, though, when they get all sanctimonious on us, Meanwhile, they're they're making millions, billions of dollars working with dictators. And it just rings a little I don't, false. I don't have any need for them to stay the Redskins. It doesn't it doesn't have any effect on me. But I no. just I, I actually being, find it incredibly strange that they still have that name. Yeah. In terms of being strong armed into it, though, as popular as the Redskins are, I just find it hard to believe that he that and that can the, can the advertisers would pull out. I think other ones would come in. They get huge ratings. Mm. They pack the place all the time. Maybe. Might take a while, but then again, like I said, it'd be a heck of an interesting hill to die on. Why would you spend? A, why would you waste a dollar on trying to hang on to the Redskins name because it's important to you? I don't know. I'm thinking about DC. I've spent a lot of time in and around DC for various reasons, including the fact that my daughter now lives in that area. Um, if I picture DC, you know what I picture? Jogging yuppies. Capitol Mall is full of jogging yuppies, climbers, uh, up and comers. Be they military or would-be lobbyists or senators' aides or whatever. Fit 32-year-olds jogging. That's what I picture. How so the Washington joggers. The ponytails. The Washington yuppies. How about the first team to just full-on sell out? The Washington debt. The, uh-huh. <laughs> That's a good one. The Washington Pepsi-Cola. The Washington Verizon Wireless. Just full-on. The name is on the helmet. You are the fighting FedExes. Yeah. Well, that's like international <laughs> soccer and, and your Australian football and rugby. They have FedEx on their chest. And somewhere they got a little patch, like with a lightning bolt or something. You realize, <laughs> oh, they're the Stormers. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, actually, oh, no. it's somewhat common in the esports now. Like the, the teams are just kind of named out. Like Samsung is a very popular esports sponsor. So Why the, not? The Samsung Galaxy and various different things like that. Like well, the, it's it's... Well, first of all, it's a commercial enterprise. It's all entertainment. They're right. doing it to make money. They're not doing it to determine who's got the best team they can assemble in whatever city. It's not like the players are all from that place. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's all a for-profit thing anyway. So if I'm rooting for the Mitsubishi Cubs for the rest of my life, uh, I guess I'll be all right. And then, you know, for some of them where the name kind of reflects where you No, I you're... won't. I hate that. I hate this way it sounded. <laughs> I've changed my mind. If the They're name... the Chicago Cubs, damn it. Chicago, Illinois. Thank you. But if the name reflects where you are a little bit, maybe you want to hold on to it somehow. But for most teams, it's a... Like the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, right. exactly. The Utah Jazz. Or the Cubs. <laughs> Have you ever been to Chicago? There are bears running <laughs> up and down the streets. I mean, so many that they named the football team the Bears. You can't walk down Clark Street without being attacked by a grizzly. Well, and the number of uh, Detroit tourists who are eaten by tigers is just... It's... <laughs> Well, it's, it's the bloodletting. Surprising they have any tourism. But so it's meaningless. Why sure. not make some money off of it? I guess. I don't know. The Detroit Pepsi Colas. That's what I'd say. Ah, no. Huh? 
And listen, the uh, Detroit Farmers Only dot coms. <laughs> Give me a little bit of illusion. You know that that's what it is. Just, it's a just little a little bit, illusion, bit, please. And we and we lie to ourselves that these are our guys here but, in our town representing us where we live. But it makes life better. They don't even live here. They're going to be gone next year. I'll give you an example. Sometimes they don't even like where they are. Oh yeah, they secretly <laughs> badmouth your town. Well, you know, behind closed doors. Here's a good example for you. In the best marriage in the world. The happiest, most healthy marriage in the world. There are days you can't stand each other. I know that. I accept that. But I don't need Judy to say, hey, this is one of those days I can't stand you. I can't stand your voice. I don't want to look at you. The idea of ever having sex again is repugnant to me. I'm in a mood. Today's the day. I don't I don't need to hear that. And neither does she. Likewise, Chicago Cubs. I don't. I don't care. There's, there's, there's no mismanaged Tribune Cubs. <laughs> there's a, oh, the baby bears are. Grant Park is just. It, it, that's why everybody goes to Grant Park in Chicago is to pet all the baby bears that are running around. <laughs> Book your flight today. Try not to get the vid, huh? Enjoy beautiful Chicago. So one of the stories I want to get to today is a uh, a person who writes about international affairs saying we're closer to military conflict with China than most people think. That's good, because things have been going so smoothly and so comfortably. We started the show with we're officially into the second half of 2020. Is it the second half, you know, much more normal or is there a, like... Was that all just the warm-up for the big show? Yeah, you know the ele- actual election happens in the second half of this play, That's right? That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's guaranteed. Durr. Of course, Trump might not leave if he loses. Oh, but, please. Um, uh, we are guaranteed a presidential election, which is a pretty big deal, but th- still, that would pale in comparison to impeachment, pandemic, depression, followed by worst race riots in a century. Mm. The biggest protest in our nation's history. It's going to be a tough act to follow. I'd say, unless you go to war with China. (sighs) Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A prominent uh, African American journalists have pointed out what Black Lives Matter really is—at least the organization Black Lives Matter and matters. And uh, uh, we'll get to that next hour if you get next hour. If you don't, um, it's on the podcast at ArmstrongandGetty.com. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, actually, that featured Neil Ferguson. He's a pretty famous historian we've had on the show a number of times. And he was talking about uh, China and how Russia and China have the closest relationship currently of any two countries in the world. That's crazy. Wow, that Their history is wild, those two regimes yeah. going back to the Soviet Union. But So now they're close, huh? And he believes... Just to, just to screw with us, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Western world. Well, it's, China's in it for themselves. Well, everybody's in it for themselves. But uh, China's, you know, whatever, whatever... You know, tag along if you'd like. That helps mm-hmm. us along. Yeah. They'll discard Russia whenever it's convenient for them. Sure. But Russia's thinking, hey, you know, why not attach to this this up-and-comer right over here? Especially because the Russian economy is pretty crappy. 
And historian Neil Ferguson uh, believes that China will move on Taiwan later this year or next year. That's not good. And when they do, and and the reason that they will, well, it was going to happen at some point anyway. They want to establish themselves as uh, the country in the world that gets to do what they want. uh, And nobody can stop them. And uh, now would be a good time, they think, with the pandemic going on and the economy where it is and uh, Trump's approval ratings where they are, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and then the you know, riots in the streets. They, they feel this is they feel like the United States is, you know, got its plate full and we do kind of have our plate full. Mm-hmm. So they move on Taiwan and Neil Ferguson, the historian, believes when that happens, Russia, they will coordinate this. Russia will move on somebody, you know, one of those old Soviet Union countries. They'll march some troops in there. How much Ukraine is left in Ukraine? Probably grab up a little more of that. And what's the world going to do? What is the world going to do? That's that's a heck of a good question. Do we, and would we, we wouldn't alone, but could we get a bunch of countries together to take on China to try to stop them from taking Taiwan? Would we? Would there be any public will for that? I doubt it. I doubt it, too. Brutal economic sanctions? Yes. That would have, you know, effects for years economically on us and everybody else. Yeah, I think we would do that. But, like, militarily prevent it? That's just, logistically, that's hard to picture. Just because if you're not familiar with the geography, I mean, Taiwan is to China like Long Island is to New York State. I mean, it's right there. You can practically hit a golf ball there. Um is is Britain going to intercede and keep the United States from taking back Long Island if it declared its independence? No. Well, and they care a lot about a history there in China. And when the Communist Party won the war in 1949, <laughs> the guy that had the country before, uh, he took off to Taiwan. And that's where he hung out. Mm-hmm. And Taiwan has been separate ever since. And they'd like it back to fully end the whole thing. Um, that matters to them. There was an op-ed in the Examiner yesterday by a guy named Tom Rogan who follows this sort of stuff. We're closer to a South China Sea conflict than you think. Tensions are growing for reasons both political and emotional. This history teaches us is a good recipe for slipping into war. Um, I, you know, We sent two aircraft carriers over the weekend. It's an extremely provocative thing to do. We've got exercises. We're, they're doing military exercises right there next to Taiwan. Mm-hmm. We're doing military exercises and have sent two aircraft carriers. Well, we had to because China's just, just blatantly violating sure. international maritime law Absolutely. over and over again. Absolutely. And who's in charge of keeping the seas open for trade? Like it or not, we are. A third of the <laughs> world's trade goes through that little area, wow. and China would like to cut it off and say, "No, we decide what goes through here." Are we going to, are we in the rest of the world, going to stop them from doing that? Clearly international waters, by the way, just beyond dispute. China is asshole. Yeah, they are. And um, There's a lot of things that should be, but the bigger, stronger person often determines what is. Right, right. International international law exists until someone strong enough to flout it decides to flout it. That is the simple truth, and it's always been true. Yeah, I don't know. I hope hope that ain't going to happen. I hope it's not going to happen either. I'll bet it does. Now, whether it happens this year or next, I don't know. But in the next couple of years, it's guaranteed to happen. Yeah. Unless there's some sort of Chinese economic collapse that really causes the Communist Party to struggle. That's what's restraining them. There would be a Chinese economic collapse if they invaded Taiwan. 
and they know it because we would hammer them. And most of the world would hammer them, too. Then you'd find France cheating <laughs> and various other. Germany would build a pipeline you with them that, or whatever. Yeah, see, that's what I wonder. And if it would Ch- crumble eventually. Is China to the point as nearly big as an economy as we are at this point? They do something awful. The world says, we don't like it, but we got to be in business with you. And there's enough of the world that just goes ahead and stays in business with them that they, they yeah, pull it off. It still hurt them, though. And they need to keep their economic growth going. They have four times as many people as us. Well, I'm, and their I economy just, is smaller. For the record. I'm against uh, the United States and China going to war. So sounds like you're a little soft on the communists. But that me. is the. Are you now, or have you ever been a member of the Chinese Communist Party? What do they call it? The Thuclidian trap. Listen to him dodging the question, folks. When you have an established power, it and the rising power go to war always. They just do. Says you, Chairman Mao. <laughs> you're only saying that because that's what's always happened. Yeah. <laughs> You're just saying that because it's inevitable. Oh, boy. Well, the NBA has just announced a list of left-leaning slogans that they will permit their players to have on their jerseys. That will make it more exciting. The playoffs are going to be exciting anyway. I don't know about the Western Can LeBron win a title in a third city? Wearing I can't breathe on his jersey. Or si se puede. So anti-racist. Oh, boy. I hate to get into this stuff. So he oh tweeted boy. something along those lines, and then Justin Timberlake retweeted it and added a comment. And so, oh eh, boy. do I have to? Armstrong and Getty.